listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, good afternoon, and thank you so much for spending some of your time with us this hour. I don't know about how you feel right now. How do you feel? I feel, I feel fat. I feel, I feel like I might have gained a couple of pounds. This pandemic diet is not doing me any favors. I feel like maybe I'm a little more rotund. I don't know about you. Are you stress eating like me? Last night, my wife, I look over there. She's just making cookies. Like, what are you doing? So I, I just I figured we need some cookies. We have chips and cookies and basically all of the healthy eating is out the window. So, you know, while the rest of the world seems to be posting their workout routines to Instagram... Here is how you, here's how you work out in, indoors with just a towel and uh, an elastic band. I just, I watch those videos and just eat chips. So I'm like, well, that's fascinating. I'm going to watch you work out while I sit here and eat. We have a lot to get through over the next hour. We're going to take you to Brampton. And the mayor of Brampton, Patrick Brown, will join me. You may have seen that yesterday Patrick Brown tweeted out about a positive case of COVID-19 that was detected at a Tim Hortons in Brampton. And he put out a call on Twitter for that. A lot of people really appreciating that information. But then there's something that the public health official said in Peel Region that really kind of goes against that. So we're going to ask some questions about that. 416-870-6400 is the number to call with your stories, what you're seeing in your community, how you're handling quarantine or self-isolation or just social distancing. I know I'm one of the lucky ones in many ways. I actually go to work. I get to come into work. And, and with that, I, I recognize a couple of things. One, that 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 makes things a lot easier because I'm not at home, stuck at home, unable to leave. And two, it comes with it a great responsibility. Because I am out in the community, not in the community, but I'm on my way to work. I try and limit the number of places I go as as few as possible. But I do come here to the television station. So there's my colleagues here. We have very few people actually working at the television station, just sort of enough to get on the air. And we have to be really aware of this. Remember that there have been two positive cases at Global News in Toronto. And reports today now that TVO has got a, a confirmed case. That means that the agenda will not be uh, taping tonight. Steve Pakin tweeting that out a little while ago. So that's a big concern for a lot of people. And I know, just like anybody who is out and about, that I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to be absolutely safe and go as few places as I can. Justin Trudeau with a plea and a warning, and I'm going to play it for you. You heard it in the news, but I want to play it for you again in just a moment. When we talk about what happened over the course of the weekend, it was cold, but it was sunny. And I'll tell you what I did yesterday. Uh, I got my mountain bike out, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for a ride. I'm going to go for a ride. I had listened to the advice of the medical officers of health, both on Friday and also the health minister yesterday, saying, no, you can go out and exercise. It's not like you have to stay inside your house. And so I go out and I go for a ride along the Taylor Creek Parkway. Uh, this is in, in Toronto, on the east side of Toronto. And normally this time of year, there'd be nobody there. Be nobody there. 
But it was like a holiday. It was like Canada Day, a sunny, beautiful Canada Day. There were people everywhere. It was jammed. And, you know, people were trying their very best to keep their social distance. It wasn't as if there were people, you know, gathered around having picnics and kids playing together. That wasn't happening. But yet just the sheer amount of people really made me uncomfortable. And I thought to myself... I probably should not be doing this. And on my way home, instead of riding through the path, through the parkway, which would normally I would do, I wouldn't go on the road, I went on the road because there's no cars out there, very few cars, and there were very few people. There's no pedestrians around there. So, you know, I, I had to, you know, check myself and think, no, maybe that was not the right thing to do. And I noticed over the course of the weekend, many people posting to social media their disdain. They're just sort of disgusted. Look at all these people out here. And then you think to yourself, well, where'd you get that picture, pal? You were out there too. So it's something that we are adjusting to. And here is what the prime minister said this morning when talking about all the people that were out there, the parks were jammed. There's a lot of pictures out of Vancouver, beaches jammed in Vancouver. Here's the Prime Minister with both a plea and a warning in what is perhaps Justin Trudeau's just-watch-me moment. Enough is enough. Go home and stay home. This is what we all need to be doing. And we're going to make sure this happens, whether by educating people more on the risks or by enforcing the rules, if that's needed. Nothing that could help is off the table. So what we heard from the Prime Minister is that at 5.30 tonight, he will be discussing the measures with the Premiers in a conference call. And it does seem as if there are more restrictions coming. We have seen in Vancouver, municipality there in Vancouver, saying we are going to pass some bylaw edicts. We are going to fine people. We are going to hand them tickets for being out there. Is something like that coming Canada-wide? The Prime Minister was asked again about emergency measures and whether or not he would invoke the Emergency Measures Act. And what he basically said is that the provinces have a lot of latitude here to impose rules and restrictions. And if he was to invoke that act, that would override those rules and restrictions on the provincial level. And he's hesitant to do so. So that tonight the premiers would get together and decide, can they institute a set of guidelines across the country that would not require the act to be brought in, that would not overrule provincial jurisdictions, but would still provide more guidance, because I believe there is that people want to do right. But at the same time, you're being told, well, you know, yeah, you can go out and get some fresh air, and then you go out and get fresh air, and it's like, oh man, everybody else is doing this too. This isn't a good idea. I better go home. There's a lot to get through over the next hour. And you know what else we want to talk about? Uh, I want to talk to the divorced dads, the divorced moms, the separated parents out there. You, I know, because I'm one of you, you're thinking long and hard right now. You are probably facing all kinds of questions about whether or not the kids should go back and forth in a shared custody agreements, whether or not you know, the agreement that you have should just be suspended. And you're thinking also about, you know, the other parent and 
first, I mean, I know in my case, I'm thinking two things. One, I don't want to have to not see my kids. I don't want to have to be at that point where I don't get to see my kids anymore. And two, you know, I don't want their mother to be the one that has to completely handle all of the child care. That also seems an enormous burden. I know it would be an enormous burden on me. I still have to come to work. How possibly could I do that? A lot of questions about that. And my friend Christy Marina, who is a lawyer, a family law lawyer, is going to join me later on in the program to talk about what parents with custody issues should do. And I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you about what you have seen over the course of this weekend, 416-870-6400. Did you go out? Did you do what I did? Go for a bike ride and then think, well, that was dumb. Enough is enough. Go home and stay home. I hear the Prime Minister there. Enough is enough. Go home and stay home. Plus, your stories at stories at 640 toronto.com that stories at 640toronto.com send us an email we'll try and get you on the air get your perspective on the air but call me at 416-870-6400 to tell me what you have seen and especially again i am looking for those stories of parents divorced parents separated parents you know that is a tough road to hoe at the best of times navigating this But, you know, maybe you don't get along with your ex at all. And now you have to navigate this. How are you doing it? We have breaking news in the city of Toronto right now. A massive ongoing fire at Spadina and Wellington. Explosions can be heard within the building. I'm getting this from Twitter. A number of people posting videos of the site. And we will uh, continue to keep you updated. We'll get more information for you. Again, a massive ongoing fire at Spadina and Wellington right now. Toronto Fire is on the scene. Yesterday, Brampton's Mayor Patrick Brown tweeted this. An employee has a confirmed case of COVID-19 who worked at the Tim Hortons Petro-Canada location on Highway 10 in Brampton. The period of concern is from March 9th to the 20th. I would ask anyone who went here for gas, coffee, or supplies to self-isolate for 14 days. Here is the reported response from Public Health in Peel. Quote, our public health team was able to identify and contact all individuals impacted. This meant that broad public notification was not needed to identify anyone else who may have been exposed to COVID-19. This is a quote from Dr. Lawrence Lowe, the Interim Medical Officer of Health. Unfortunately, the situation has caused considerable concern in the community. On the line right now, Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Alan, always a pleasure to be on your show. Why tweet this out? Why did you feel the need that there needed to be more notification than would come from public health? Well, Petrol Canada was the first to tweet it out, and then Tim Hortons uh, called me and also uh, tweeted it out uh, Frankly, um, Alan, I, I think we're being a bit lax on, on this, and, and I think we need to be more transparent uh, with the public. Right now, we don't tell the public where there's exposure. I think that's a mistake. Uh, you look at countries with a more advanced pandemic, we're being honest with, with residents, and we're being very transparent. 
We're not there yet in Canada, and that needs to change. In Brampton, I'm letting people know uh, where there's exposure, where there's risk. Right now, under the Ontario Health Protocols, Peel Public Health only notifies you if you spent 15 minutes with a person who's tested a positive for COVID-19. 15 minutes. And so they're saying if someone gets a coffee, even though the employee was there who tested positive and was working and serving coffee, because they did not spend 15 minutes with that individual, there's a very low risk of uh, contracting it. Um, you know, our council, our team in Brampton thinks we need to show more caution than that. And so we've actually been working um, to publicly notify and let people know uh, where, where there are challenges. And frankly, I think this is a greater risk. Um, I think there's more numbers out there than we know because we're not doing enough testing. Um, and so I hope that we'll um, very quickly start to adopt the measures that we've seen in other countries where it is more advanced and have broad transparency of where there's exposure. You seem to express some uh, frustration there with public health officials in their communication strategy with the public. Well, I just, I just disagree with two points. One, I disagree that business privacy trumps um, uh, transparency, and I've, I've made that clear to public health, that I believe we should let the public know where there's been exposure, especially on a place like Tim Hortons that has wide interactions with the public. And the second area that I, I have a disagreement is on the 15 minutes. Uh, I believe that the, no, the notion we only tell people if there's been exposure, if it's been longer than 15 minutes, uh, I think is too broad at this point. If you look how this pandemic is growing, um, it's a standard that would not be seen in Taiwan or Japan or, or South Korea. I think we can do better. The Prime Minister, uh, within the last hour or so, saying enough is enough, go home and stay home. And I can report personally that being out over the course of this weekend on a bike ride, because I thought that that was what was uh, allowed, I've heard that from medical officers of health, and then there's all these people in the parks. I'm just, I am not sure what it is that is allowed or I should do. Do you know? Well, in, in Brampton, we've said you can you can get your exercise, walk around the, the block, but just don't do so in a fashion where you're with crowds of, of people. Unfortunately, you know, we set, we closed all our fields, but there was a soccer field that got really busy because people jumped the fence. So now I've had to take the soccer nets out. At some point, we may even have to close parks if people don't respect the concept of, so, of social distancing. We had the Heart Lake Conservation Authority, which was busy with cars and people. These people wanted to get out. And it's fine if it's not in large numbers. But the problem is, as we saw in Vancouver, we saw it on, on the CBC, large numbers of, of people on, on the seawall there. And so, you know, I understand the mayor of Vancouver is looking at fines now for social distancing. I think we're going to take a look at that in, in Peel region as well, because this is, this is a real challenge. And if people don't respect social distancing, it will get worse. Do you want to hear from um, the the Premier, the Premier speaking at 1 o'clock today? Do you want him to impose some kind of fines or regulations province-wide for that? Yeah, I would uh, I would welcome that if, if people are not responding. Uh, and, you know, I have been in touch uh, with the Premier a few times, and, uh, um, you know, I, I appreciate that he's taking the situation very seriously. Uh, but absolutely, I think everything should be on the table. And, and I think Justin Trudeau, and his comments today made that clear that it is on the table. Um, and so, you know, we may we may start that earlier in, in, in Brampton if I don't see the community responding in a in a quicker fashion to the call for social distance.
I think there's a lot of frustration amongst the public that what we're hearing from public health, especially public health on the local level, you talk about community transmission, for example, the city of Toronto pretty much is saying it's underway, and then yet you ask the province that, and the answer is much less clear. Are are you concerned at all about the way that public health officials are communicating? I worry uh, that it's been too lackadaisical, uh, and the two instances that I mentioned on your show today are examples of that. I I think the lesson we've learned from elsewhere is that is that we need to be much more aggressive on this. Um, and frankly, tracking and testing. The, the, the fact that we're not tracking and testing people who have interactions of under 15 minutes, um, I really struggle to comprehend that, it, 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 given what we've, what we've heard internationally. Uh, I noticed on your Twitter feed this uh, this weekend an absolutely adorable uh, video of your young son, um, and I'm just wondering how your family is handling this, uh, especially with you. You know, you are still, I, I'm assuming, going to work. You're not in self isolation. No, I, I am in self isolation because I was uh, prior to the travel advisor. I was out of the country for a day, and so I am uh, being a. Uh, taking advice of public health, and I have been working from home. So what that means for me, Alan, is I get to be busy on the phone all day, and I get to change diapers, too. <laughs> well, I guess that's that's an upside. I'm sure for your wife is happier that there you are to be able to change those nappies. But, I mean, how are you guys all dealing with, I mean, you're busy on the phone, but how are you dealing with what so many families are dealing with right now, which is just being stuck at home? Well, uh, you know, it is it actually is a bit of a blessing that I get. To, I'm normally on the go 24/7. It is a bit of a blessing that I get to spend more time with my uh, wife and 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 our, and our little son. Um, and I think just like any family, we've been taking precautions. You know, we we certainly got uh, um, adequate uh, uh, groceries, and you know, I, I do believe this is not going to be a matter of weeks. Um, it's going to be a matter of months. And and I think everyone, um, we're, we're taking the, the same precautions that I think most families are. You're an uh, avid runner, I know. Um, how you? Uh, how are you handling that? Are you uh, stress eating like all the rest of us? Well, I certainly miss my hockey. There's, there's, there's no opportunity to get some shinny right now, but I do have a treadmill at home, so I'm, uh, I am uh, get, get getting my runs in at least. Frampton Mayor Patrick Brown, thank you so much for spending some of your time with us this hour. My pleasure. Well, that's the latest from Brampton, and you heard the frustration there from the mayor. I think the frustration is being echoed right across this country. Why is it that we cannot have wider notification? Why is it that the public health has these stringent measures and these, these it's like this 15 minutes and you have to spend all this time? I, listen, I know this very personally because, as you might know, two people tested positive here at Global News in this workspace. And, you know, they said, well, we're, we're going to contact all of the people within the station that has ex- had exposure to those two positive cases, and they're all self-isolated. And so I said, well, wait a minute, like, well, does that not include me? How does it not include me? And I won't get into the specific details, because, you know, there are privacy concerns, and we have to have, you know, we have to have a level of privacy. We don't, you know, want to just be putting people's names out willy-nilly. That's, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's what people want. But people do want a better understanding of really does it take that much time in close contact with somebody to be exposed? Is that true? Because that does not seem to jive with the facts, with what we're seeing around the, the world. And so it's so difficult to figure out. So, like, you know, I asked a couple of times, why am I not being told to go into self-isolation? 
And the answer was, well, because according to the regulations from public health, you do not qualify as someone who has been in close contact with a positive case. And I'm happy to report that I'm now about 11 days out from last contact with that positive case. So I'm, you know, I've, you know, I, I, I got to put my, you got to put your faith somewhere. And so we can't get to a point where we're just not you know, listening to public health at all. But again, these concerns are like, are we sticking too close to the actual definitions? I mean, I got a problem with this whole, you know, definition of pandemic. Like, you know, the WHO kept saying all, all, all the way along, well, it's not not a pandemic yet. It's not a pa- Let's don't say pandemic, because if you say pandemic, that means we can't stop it. And I think that the world could have used a little bit more clarity about, like, you know what, we're 80 percent towards a pandemic here. Like some kind of shading on the warnings would have been very, very helpful. All right. After the break, your calls. What are you seeing? Plus, also, I am looking for those stories out there of parents with, with two different households. You're either separated or you're divorced. You have a custody issue. Let me know what is going on. Are you taking the kids back and forth from one house to another? Are the kids just self-isolating with one parent only? Are you squabbling with your ex? Or have you decided, listen, these are extraordinary times. And let's just put all of that aside because we are going to have to work together even though we might not like each other. We're going to have to work together to get through this. Let's go to Lynn in Aurora on line three. I put the call out for divorced and separated parents and wondering about what to do with the kids. Lynn, what's your story? I have a son that goes back and forth between homes. And uh, I approached the issue last week about social distancing. And uh, I didn't get a straight answer back as to whether it would be practiced on both sides. And then... um, I had to send them on Sunday, and it just, it was tough. Uh, my, can I ask what's your custody agreement? Is it one week uh, there, one week with you? Yeah, week about. It's week, one week on, one week off. Uh, yeah. And your concern is that your, uh, your ex is not practicing the kind of social distancing with your son that you would like. Well, you just don't know, what's going, you know what goes on on the other side if you don't have clear communication, right? And has that communication improved, considering the the crisis that uh, we're all facing? I wouldn't think so, no. I wouldn't say it has. It hasn't? No. Uh, Coming up uh, on the uh, radio program, our uh, family law specialist, Christy Marina, is going to join us and and talk. And I'm just wondering if you'd have any questions in in terms of how your custody uh, agreement uh, arrangement is or what your rights might be, if there's anything that you would like a family law lawyer to answer for you. It would be interesting to hear what she has to say about uh, if things escalate and get worse, what what the best course of action is. All right. I will she put that question to her. Thank you so much, uh, Lynn. That's uh, Lynn in Aurora with a story, I think, that is being played out right across the province. There are many, many parents in this boat. Uh, I am one as well. I am extremely fortunate that I have a good working parenting, co-parenting relationship with the kids' parent, uh, kid, with my children's mother. 
Um, nevertheless, there, you know, there are concerns because I don't know who is going in and out of her house. Uh, obviously, she doesn't know the same for me. She, I mean, th- their mother has to be concerned that I am going to work. That has to be a concern for her. And so we have to navigate these sort of things. And I know that uh, today the both kids are starting the Learn at Home module. And the communication I've had so far from their mother is that there's almost nothing in that module for our son, who's in grade six. And so now, you know, she is faced with having the kids trying to actually manage their learning, basically being a teacher. And at the same time, she is supposed to work from home like everybody else. How are you supposed to do that? That is extremely frustrating for a lot of parents. All right, more of your calls here. Let's go to Rochelle in Toronto. And, Rochelle, you heard what the mayor of Brampton had to say. What do you think about the communication you're hearing from the medical officials? Okay, so I first wanted to give a shout-out to, um, I have family members who are working in the food industry, so they're working in the factory. I have a family member who's working in uh, transportation, so I wanted to give them a shout-out and a thanks. I heard the alert about what happened in Brampton on the weekend, and I um, I have a question about what Patrick Brown uh, just had in an interview. He said that he has questions based on what he's seeing from different places around the world who seem to be doing better, but Patrick Brown actually has more access to um, and power than regular citizens. Uh, he has access to his own Peel Region um, Health, health uh, Network. He can ask questions on behalf of citizens. He can talk to them. Why is he not putting his questions that he has to those people? Why? Well, I think the mayor is. I think the I think the point is is that he is frustrated with what the regulations say. No, and you heard not. my response there. The quote from the medical officer, officer of health, the interim medical officer of health right. for so Peel Region, basically saying about the 15 minutes. If they, if he, Patrick Brown, is in need of hard science of about the 15 minutes, you guys have done wonderful interviews with doctors. They have explained things very well to us in the past week. Patrick Brown has questions that we, as regular citizens, cannot have because we don't, we don't have his power. Why doesn't he put, uh, uh, get in contact with them and and then get that information from them? They are his. Um, Employees. I think he, I think he is. I mean, no, that, that's not true. That's not the way that works. He. I mean, it's not like you know he's the mayor and he has sweeping powers and he can go to public health and just say, "You give me all of this information uh, that would not be otherwise put out." I don't think that quite works that way. All right. Thanks very much, Rochelle. I appreciate. I appreciate that. Listen, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have some more calls. Uh, Some stories of dads and moms that are trying to work their way through what is an extraordinary situation. Moms and dads who are divorced or separated, perhaps they're feuding with their ex, and they're trying to navigate an incredibly complicated situation. Do the kids go back and forth? Do they stay with one parent? Is the other parent doing what they should? Is the other parent taking social distancing as seriously as they should? We'll be talking to Christy Marina, our legal expert, our family law legal expert here on the program. But first, I want to bring Dan onto the program. And Dan's calling in from Toronto. And Dan, uh, have you seen your kids lately? Hi. No, thank you for the call. Um, I haven't, actually. I haven't seen them in about three weeks now due to this uh, 
this virus that's going on, we actually have to work. Um, I work in a, in a factory in Toronto, in Downsview, Bombardier, and they haven't shut down. And uh, many people here don't understand why building planes for rich people is more important than our livelihood. So you wish that you would just be sent home and that they'd just be shut down. Yeah, but we can't. If we say we're going to go home, we basically are threatened with our jobs or something's going to happen. We know something's going to happen if we do. What that. kind of so social distancing is being put in place in your workplace? Um, not really. I mean, we see a couple of meetings with people standing off in a distance, but I mean, we there's over maybe three thousand people that work here. So I mean. They, they, what they did is they put some people at nighttime, but now the night shift has more people than the day shift. But back to your kids. So because you're going to work, that's why you're not seeing your kids right now? Yes, because they're in, they're in isolation, and I'm basically involved with so many people in a day that I don't want to be handing them over and maybe getting them sick. Okay, there's a lot of confusion over these terms because when you say in isolation, are are they in isolation because they traveled, is there, or or are no, they just no, distancing? They're just, they're just in. They're just distancing. They're just distancing. They're just distancing. And so you're concerned and because you're interacting with the public, that, or, or rather with coworkers. You're still going to work, so that therefore you're at an exposed risk, and you just don't want to put right. them in. Exactly. So it's almost like every day my body's like resetting itself to kind of like, okay, you didn't get it yesterday, but. You could get it today, or you don't have it today. You could get it tomorrow because we are constantly going into work. How's that going over with your ex? How's the communication with your ex? Uh, but you know what? It's going really great. Actually, we have a really good uh, we have a really good um, involvement in the kids' lives, and we're 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 really good. We've been best friends since we were twelve, so it uh, just didn't work out as a married couple. But uh, we're we're doing really well. We we do really good with each other, and you know she's moved on. She's married, had a kid. I moved on, you know, so it's uh, all four of us actually are all kind of co-parenting, which is really nice to see. That's awesome, and Dan. That, it, that yeah. That's great news because under the, considering the stress that you're under, um, you know, you, the, having on top of that, you know, a fight over, you know, where the kids are going or if you're right? concerned about the kids' safety, that, I mean, that that's so yeah. much more to, to shoulder. It was, it, was, it was honestly like a mutual agreement, like we talked. I'm like, do you feel comfortable with this? She's like, not really. And I'm like, you know what? That's fine. Because I wouldn't feel comfortable with it either because of my involvement with so many people day to day. All right, Dan, thank you so much. I really appreciate thank your story. You. and I really appreciate you being on the program. Thank you very much. Right, uh, let's uh, bring in uh, Christy Marina, who is a lawyer at McDonald and Partners and has been on the program before, talking about custody issues. Hi, Christy. How you doing? Hi, Alan. I'm okay. How are you? You're, uh, you're, you're social distancing, just staying at home? I am. I'm at home right now. Not that there's anything going on in court. All the courts are shut down. Yeah, there's uh, but for emergencies, the courts are shut down. So what does that mean then for, you know, custody agreements? These are legal documents that are drawn up between, uh, you know, former partners to figure out when the kids go here and there. What, is that, what does this all mean for that? Well, all of that is still in place, right? Binding orders are binding orders. Binding agreements are binding agreements. And people are expected to follow them still. You're not, you know, this isn't a get-out-of-jail card because the courts are closed. The courts are still open. They're dealing with emergencies. They've put in place a protocol for these emergency matters um, that are coming up. And, and it's geared towards, you know, 
family law matters that are coming up or any sort of public interest emergency. But yeah, things with families, custodies, withholding, uh, situations like that, the court is still open to hear uh, emergencies, mind you, through a totally different process, but it's still open to facilitate emergency hearings. So what you're saying that is if, you know, you're a parent and, you know, the, the custody agreement is not being followed because one parent's saying, look, look, I'm just keeping the kids because, like our last caller, you know, if it wasn't, a, you know, a, an amicable thing, maybe the, you know, one parent would say, look, I just don't, I'm not comfortable with you going to work. The kids are just staying with me. But yet here's a legal agreement that says, no, no, the kids come to see me every other week. I mean, is there's actually a legal recourse for that right now? Well, so we're, this is all uncharted waters, right? Everyone's saying the same thing. It's unprecedented. It's uncharted waters. And we're working our way through it just the same as everybody else is. So I liked that last story because they were amicable, right? That's a decision that the two of them have come to that they've decided works for them. And I like hearing stuff like that. And I'm hoping that people out there during these crazy times are doing things like that, right? You have to be flexible. You have to be aware of the situation and do what works for your family in these times. But we have it coming up, right? We, we're about a week in now to the courts being closed, and these things are coming up. People are saying, you know, my ex isn't returning my kids. Some of it is because self-isolation. Some of it is just because of, uh, you know, general COVID concerns unconnected to travel or unconnected to symptoms. And, you know, it, the court is open to deal with that and, and have been. So if you have a binding agreement, if, uh, you know, it, even if even in situations where there's one where a court proceeding hasn't even been started yet, but the court was willing to hear something of someone withholding their kids. So it's still there. It's not as straightforward as a process, but the court has been there to, dealing with, uh, to deal with it. And it's coming up, right? And we're figuring it out, too. We have... Um, we're starting to deal with it too. People saying, reaching out, saying, you know, my ex, for whatever the reason might be, isn't letting me see my kids, and that's a problem. I'm speaking with Christy Marina, who's a lawyer at McDonald and Partners in Family Law, 416-870-6400 for your stories if you are dealing with this kind of situation. Uh, the other part of this, of course, is not just custody, but also payments. And, you know, you got spousal payments, you got child support payments, and you know, they're they're etched in, they're they're sort of baked in that number. And then if you're suddenly you've been laid off or if you're self-employed and there's just no money coming in, how can you possibly make those payments? And how are we going to deal with that over the next couple of weeks and months? I think that's something that's going to surface down the road as well, too. That hasn't, you know, in the past week been anything at the forefront just yet. It's very real for, for people. Um, orders are orders, agreements are agreements, and you have to make those payments until it's changed. Um, and I suspect that depending on how things go, you know, we might see an influx of people trying to change their agreements and their orders. The problem is, is that uh, you, you don't just get a change because, you know, a month or two has interrupted your income. There has to sort of be a prolonged material change um, that warrants a change in that agreement. So, we haven't had that come up too much just yet because it's so early in. But, you know, as, as we move more towards, you know, self-isolation and more and more things are shutting down, I suspect that down the road that's going to be a big thing that might come up. All right, Christy, your final bit of advice for those parents out there right now who might be dealing with custody issues, might be concerned about whether they can make those payments or whether they're going to get those payments from a legal perspective just some high-level advice, if you could. 
I mean, from a legal perspective, all of your orders and all of your agreements remain in place. They're meant to be followed. From a practical day-to-day perspective, you know, I hope that people as amongst themselves can be flexible. This is unprecedented times. It's difficult for everyone. So hopefully, like that last caller, you know, I don't know if they have a court order agreement or not, but they're making things work for them. So hopefully people during this time can do that. Your orders are orders, your agreements are agreements, but hopefully people recognize that, you know, during this time, these are hard times and we're all going through this together and we've got to sort it out together. So hopefully people, you know, keeping their kids in mind can figure out what works for them in these coming weeks. Christy, I I know you're in self-isolation. I I believe you're in in a condo with a cat. How's it going? How's your pandemic diet? Um, I visit the fridge a lot. Um, (laughs) Have you started making cookies yet, like my wife? I have. I have baked. (laughs) I have baked. I have cooked. I said I don't know. At one point, I was baking and cooking at the same time, and I was like, I don't know what's happening to me. And my cat sleeps like 20 hours a day. It turns out he's not as good at self-isolation company as I thought he would be. I have to keep waking him up. Just keep waking him up. Look, I I need to do something. Yes, pay attention to me. (laughs) Uh, It's tough on everybody, even the cats. Even the cats are wondering what's going on. He's like, can you go to work already? Thanks. Um, Christy Marita, a lawyer at McDonald and Partners. Thanks for being on the program and providing thanks, some direction. I really appreciate that. All right. Yeah, 416-870-6400. Chance for just a couple of your calls and what you're seeing and also what you've heard over this last hour. Any clearer? Are you any clearer on what it is that you're supposed to do? Can you go out for a walk? Can you, Does it really take 15 minutes of close contact with somebody who has the virus? Is that true? I mean, you know, and then meanwhile, we got these numbers today. 78 new cases is the new number in Ontario. By the way, I will just uh, let you know that Premier Ford has now pushed back his news conference another half hour to 1.30. I'm not sure what's behind that. We're expecting a press conference from the Premier coming up very shortly. But, you you know, so 78 new cases, that's the number today. Uh, Keep in mind, we don't know if that's the real number. We're still dealing with a, a lag time of about four days on those numbers, and I would caution you to put too much you know, faith, either good or bad, in the numbers. 78, that's, a, that's the highest number we've seen in Ontario yet on a one-day jump. But it wasn't too many days ago we saw, like, only eight cases. And then the medical officer of health just came out and said, well, you know, I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Let's get back to the lines real quick, because Leslie is on the line. Uh, Leslie, uh, you have kids going between two houses? I do. We have a separation agreement in place, and while before coronavirus everything was amicable, now I'm in a situation where he's not being as socially responsible as I'd like him to be and taking the kids to gatherings. So my what do you mean by is, gatherings? What, what, what does he do? Where well, is he taking the kids? Socializing with family, um, taking them to visit cousins and taking them to visit aunties and uncles. And while we haven't had any, you know, travel in the last 14 days or anything to be worried about like that, I do wonder when your agreement then becomes void because they're not putting the best interests of the children first. How do you balance that with the, ga- the legality of the agreement? How are you communicating with your ex? I mean, you know... I, I've, asked, how- I've asked very specifically in an email, um, and like I said, it, it is amicable, but I just say, hey, if you're going to be by yourself for a few days, can you let me know who you've seen in those couple of days and what your intentions are for the children? And the response was, it was ignored, 
Um, I think because, you know, the pressure to explain yourself socially is uh, not something that we're used to. But I wonder what the lawyer would have to say in terms of how do we uphold agreements if we're not putting the best interests of the children first. But those agreements still remain in place, and it's very, very difficult from what you're talking about to be able for the the courts to say, well, wait a minute, that's not the best interest of the kids, and then that somehow... Well, when... When the Department of Public Health is telling us to, you know, stay away from people, social distancing, all those kinds of things, and you have a situation where one parent is putting those children in social situations, what do you do as the other parent? That is a great question, and I think that you are amongst a lot of parents out there who are worrying about this very thing right now. Leslie, thank you so much for your call. I really appreciate it. Well, we're about to sum up here, but I want, if I could, just to give out a couple of websites, a couple of supports for you. First up, do you think you have COVID-19? There is so much, you know, concern about this. I know, like, every 15 minutes, I'm like, is that a lump on my throat? Am I running a fever? Like, you know, you just, you're just constantly thinking about these sort of things. So, covid19.ontario.ca and there's a self-assessment tool right there. Go there and check that out. Just keep that on, you know, your browser and look at it every once in a while. Like, okay, I, you know what? It'll just help. It'll help you just with your own mental health. And speaking of mental health, mental health and COVID, camh.ca, that's C-A-M-H dot C-A. CAMH has a great resource, which I have used repeatedly about how to deal with mental health issues, not only for yourself, if you're an obsessive like me, just constantly taking in the information. How do you deal with that? How do you talk to your kids? You know, how do you talk to somebody who you don't think is taking social distancing as seriously as they should? That is camh.ca. And one last one, if I could. The PPE drive, there's a drive on right now for personal protective equipment for frontline healthcare workers. If you bought a box of masks a month ago thinking, well, these would be good to have, well, you don't need them. But frontline healthcare workers do. Go to thepepedrive.com, thepepedrive.com to find out where to donate those personal protective equipments to the people who need it most. This is the Alan Carter Radio Program. Stay safe, keep your distance, wash your hands, and don't worry about putting on a couple extra pounds. That's just going to happen. We'll see you again tomorrow.